0: We'll continue the message that we began this morning. John chapter 12. This is a series leading up to Easter titled Six Weeks to Victory. Six Weeks to Victory. I want to see you revived so that when Easter arrives, man, we're dancing in the aisles and swinging from the chandeliers, and we'll even install them if we have to. I mean, when the Spirit of God has just so revived you that, whoo, you just can't set still. Glory to God. Six weeks to victory. How many of you need revival? I need revival. I, I, I had revival this last week. I preached my fool head off down there. Then people just drug it out of me. I preached an hour and a half to two hours every night. And it just I had to quit at that. And I didn't realize it but by Wednesday night I was tired. But uh God gave me rest and, and I, I had a great time. I'm not complaining, I'm rejoicing. It was a wonderful time. But it's good to be back at Westview. Hallelujah. That little auditorium is no bigger than the center aisle here. And so I had to do some things differently. Quite a switch, but praise God. It was wonderful. Six weeks to victory. I said, Jesus is a people person. His life on earth was devoted to people from the beginning to the end. He cared about people. He met people's needs. Even the last six days of his life, facing the cross as he was. He did not retreat. He did not go into isolation. He stayed in the public, meeting people, helping people to the very end. He is the same today. Today he has commissioned his church to go and help people. We cannot, we must not ever think that we exist solely to bless one another. We are called to this world to minister healing, to minister salvation and deliverance to people. His ministry of helping people continues today through his body, the church, all through believers. Six weeks to victory is about you and I meeting the needs of other people. Every week is going to build. As we practiced our cantata tonight, I was amazed at how beautiful it is and how wonderfully it fits with this six weeks to victory. Who knows what will happen on the final week. This morning we began at the first verse and I talked about Lazarus. It says, Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Lazarus. In that community, that name brought hope. When someone said Lazarus, Sparkle came to the eye of those who were afflicted because Lazarus was the symbol of the power of God to do the supernatural. But Lazarus, as I showed you this morning, quite possibly had not ventured out into the public eye as much as he might have because people just flocking around him. I say that because at the feast this night, it says that many Jews came to that house to see Jesus, but not only to see Jesus but to see Lazarus. Now, if he'd have been available at demand or on demand and and commonplace in that community, they would have not turned out in such droves to see him. So I kind of feel like Lazarus had held himself back And now he's having dinner with Jesus. Lazarus' need was fellowship, and Jesus met that need. He invited Lazarus to sit at his banqueting table, and that's where he invites you and I tonight. If we've been isolated, if we've been away, if we've been hurt, whatever the need might have been, whatever caused us not to enjoy the fellowship of Jesus Christ, he invites us to come to his banqueting table tonight. Martha. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Martha served Jesus. And I showed you this morning how Martha had learned that in her serving Jesus... She was not to become distraught at others who did not work like she did. She had learned the secret of serving Jesus, was to serve him regardless of what anybody else thought. And so this night, Martha is different from the night before in the house when she was busy making dinner for Jesus, and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha became upset. This Martha is a different Martha. She's grown up. She's changed. She's a new Martha. Her need at this point is to know that she has self-worth, that she's important to Jesus, and Jesus meets that need by allowing Martha to serve him. In Luke chapter 10, verse 41 and 42, Jesus had to offer a mild rebuke to Martha, and that mild rebuke solved her problem. From that point on, when she ministered to Jesus, it was not out of contention. It was not out of criticism of anyone else. Listen to me tonight, church. Listen very carefully. If you are disappointed or if you are less than happy with your brothers and sisters in Christ or with what's happening in your church or your family or whatever where there's a gathering of believers, if you're a a little bit disturbed at the way they don't perform or work or minister as you think they should, before you begin to criticize them, Learn from Jesus. You go sit at the feet of Jesus, and they will follow your example. Did you hear me? If they don't follow your example, don't worry about it. Go on following Jesus. Go on sitting at Jesus' feet and drinking in. I come to the conclusion a long time ago that I cannot make people serve God. I can whip them. I can talk mean to them. I can criticize them. I can do everything, but I still can't make them serve God. The way to do that is by your example. You want people to worship, then worship. You want people to be involved, then be involved. In other words, you've got to become like Martha and decide, I'm going to serve God to the fullest of my ability, whether anybody else does or not. I am. My commitment stands. When you come to that place, then you don't have to worry. Others will follow.